Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck, the Let's Go Tribe Cleveland Indians Prospect Podcast. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's good? Oh, not too much. I mean, it doesn't seem like hardly anything's happened in the Indians minor league system for the past two weeks, right? It's been so slow. Yeah. So I slow. Mean, they haven't made any transactions. There haven't been any major trades. Trevor Bauer, you know, he's he signed a lifetime contract. okay of course post-trade deadline indians moving trevor bauer we've got a lot to talk about tonight and we missed last week so buckle up it's going to be a fun one combo Um, episode boom and we're going to have uh not necessarily this podcast but moving forward we've got our updated top 10 ready to go based on the mlb pipeline updating here in the middle of the season so, for the last time, we begin with Mr. Tristan McKenzie, who did who, nothing. Yeah, who dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, literally, I haven't seen one update about him in about a month now. I, still, the last thing I ever learned was that he is playing Apex Legends. <laughs> and he has, you know, been on Twitter congratulating other people for their success, but it sure would be nice to, to see how he's doing. Um, I would like to see him throw a baseball at some point in his future. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing that's happened is he's dropped in a lot of prospect rankings because he hasn't played this year. It's a he, really, really bad back injury. I got excited about him and, like, was really bought in just in time for him to die. <laughs> and uh, I hope he's fine, but... Yeah, if you check, uh, I mean, he's still in the top 100 with MLB Pipeline and everything, but... He's not the number one Indian prospect anymore, according to them. It's this next man, Nolan Jones. So last week, like the week prior, he had seven games, only hit 182, but managed to scrap together a 333 on base percentage, struck out 12 times in the process, um, but still managed to be productive at the plate, tacking a home run onto that. This past week, I know he was on a five-game hitting streak at one point, 296, 321, 481 in that span. Eight more strikeouts. Hit five doubles. That is a good sign. Five. Good, solid contact. So good to see Nolan Jones being productive at double A after the promotion. So Yeah, definitely deserving of the number one spot now, I think. In particular with McKenzie being completely absent this year. Mm -hmm. That brings us to one Tyler Freeman who continues to rake. So basically the... What would have been his uh, seven-game stretch last week, uh, he played four games because they had so many rainouts in Lynchburg. Uh, it was so bad that they actually had two games they just decided they're not making up. They just didn't happen this year. Um, so in uh, four games before, uh, last week, he had, he had a 267, 313, 333 slash line with a double and a walk did not strike out then. And then this past week, he just destroyed the baseball. That at 360, 407, 480 with a double, a triple, and two strikeouts. Um, dude. He is the man. He really is. And you know how MLB Pipeline rewarded him for batting like 350 after being promoted to high A? How did they do it? They dropped him out of their top 100. 
when they did the <laughs> midseason update. <laughs> he was at like number 84, and then they added in all the, uh, you know, top, top draft picks, like the first of the first rounders and stuff. Plus the Yankees signed a guy that literally looks like he's 38 years old. That's oh, yeah. 16. Like, yeah, I'm sure you saw something about him. Uh, and they added him to the top 100. And I can't remember his name. I just know that yeah. he's already hit 500 home runs yeah, exactly. in his major league career, basically. And uh, and after adding all those guys, there was no room for Tyler Freeman in the top 100. So unfortunately, he's Which, at like 101 or something. But he'll be back. I get, I get adding all the guys from the draft. But I've read recently that the pipeline is notoriously a little um, ceiling-obsessed. Yes. Which, sure, it's probably Especially, you know, guys that just got drafted, they just immediately put him in there. So just remember, like, when the Indians drafted Brady Aiken and he didn't even play, he was <laughs> in the top 100. Yeah, that's a good point. So they, they uh, sometimes get stuff wrong. I fully expect Tyler Freeman to be back in the top 100 by the end of the season after a couple guys graduate. Because he's got to be, like, right on that fringe. Because he has not lost a step. In fact, he might be playing better at high A than he was at regular single A, where he already was amazing. So, next up, we've got our boy Bo Naylor. How did he do? Bo Naylor has hit a level of consistency this season, I think. He's hitting 236, 310, 404 on the year. His last two weeks, he hit 238. 304, 429. Uh, in that stretch, he added three doubles, a triple, and a home run to his resume. And I don't know, maybe he'll turn into like Chris Davis, where he just does the exact same thing every single year. That <laughs> would kind of be hilarious. But I, I would hope that it would be higher than batting like 347 or, or 247 or whatever it is that yeah. Chris Davis always bats. So, but yeah, not a bad, not a bad two week stretch there. It, it does definitely seem like. You know, he's no longer over his head at single A, which is a great sign because aggressive, aggressively placed. And uh, I mean, he's just a, a talented catcher and he's getting opportunities and he's making the best of them. So good. Good to see. Mm -hmm. That brings us to George Valera, master of bat flipping and generally being awesome. Yep. Had a couple of interesting weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't particularly tearing the cover off the ball, but he did hit a home run each week. Uh, had a 182, 321, 364 slash line two weeks ago. And then this past week, he was at 125, 178, 313. And two weeks ago, he had a home run, a double, eight strikeouts, five walks, and two stolen bases. And he did hit another home run this past week. So wasn't making amazing contact, but he did still collect another couple dingers, and I believe he is still leading the New York Penn League in home runs. Although the batting average is not quite where I would like it to be, although it is a little overrated, uh, you know, as a stat and everything. But I would I would like to see uh, a little bit more consistent contact. He is striking out. I, I should check and see what his strikeout rate is this season. So give me. Yeah, and while you look that up, uh, the one thing that jumps out at me about Valera is he's still got the 361 on base percentage across all levels this season. And with what scouts say about his hit tool being potentially spectacular, essentially, like I, even if he has a couple downs week, a couple down weeks like that, like two weeks ago, he still managed to get on base 32% of the time, even though he only hit 182. So it's like. So yeah, on this season, he's at. Uh, 15 and a half walk percentage, which is tremendous. 
Um, but he is at 26 strikeout percentage. So I, that's definitely high, especially for someone as, uh, with as smooth of, sweet of a swing as he has. So perhaps he's being a little over-aggressive. That being said, you know, we can't complain too much. It's WRC plus for the entire season, 145. <laughs> so he, he's basically one and a half times better than the average player in the league. So that's extremely good. So, again, we're being very nitpicky here. Uh, I mean, his, his BAPIP is at, like, exactly 300 so usually you know somebody that hits the ball as well as he does uh probably should be a little bit higher so i'm not going to be complaining too much i mean his he's getting adding over 100 points to his on base percentage through his walking so he's he's still doing great i was actually hoping that when the indians traded one of their single a players which we'll get to later in the podcast that he was going to be the guy to fill the void at Lake County. So, but they decided to activate a, a veteran like bat from, I think the 2017 draft and bump him up to single A instead. But I was just like, Oh baby, it could be time. And then they're like, nah, we'll let him stew a little longer. But yep. Valera continues to do good Valera things. And then, how about our boy Bobby Bradley? It seemed like he had an interesting pair of weeks. The assassin had, yeah, I'm just looking at the, the slash lines again and kind of scratching my head. Two weeks ago, he hit 160, 250, 280. You pointed out he struck out 54% of the time in his plate appearances. Yeah, in 15 games, he struck out 15. six, or in six games, he struck out 15 times. That that bad. It's, you wonder if that's a dude who got his taste at the major league level, gets sent back down to AAA, and is like, come on! I gotta get back! Mm-hmm. He was trying too hard. That's absolutely what was happening. Yeah. Because... He bounced back this past week a little bit. Yeah, in four games this past week, he had a 235 batting average, 235 on base, 706 slugging. He had a nice uh, <laughs> two-home run game, ended up uh, being some of the deciding outs in uh, in one of the games. Yeah, I saw he hit one out on a nationwide. Yeah, Boulevard just murdered baseballs. So back back to destroying baseballs, which is always a good thing. So hopefully uh, a sign of things to come as he regains some of that confidence and starts dropping that strikeout rate. Hopefully, but yeah, I mean he's still he's still who we thought he was. You know, when he touches baseballs, they they go far. <laughs> yes, you just got to touch him more. Brings us to Brian Rocchio. Yeah, and. How did he do? Rokio has still continued to be a bit of a mystery this season. Uh, last week, it was a, a 192-276-192 slash line where all of his hits were singles, but he did walk a few times to help that on base percentage. But this past week, it was 227, 289, 342. Uh, had a double, but did not have a... Says he didn't have any walks, but the on base was up, so maybe he. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's has not been producing the way I thought he would. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to come in and start leading the league in home runs or anything like Valera, but I was hoping that he would be doing a little bit better offensively because of how good he was last season, where he was in the DSL, got promoted to the AZL, and then batted like three forty in the AZL. And people were like, he's the most impressive player in this entire league. Like multiple scouts were saying that. So on the season, he's only at, you know, 234 
289, 342. So I would I would like to see that slash. Definitely. And he did get hit by a pitch this past that week. makes sense. And then uh, how about our boy Ethan Hankins, who very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Nathaniel Hankinson had a couple of pretty solid weeks, I'd say. Last week, five innings pitched, only gave up three hits, walked one, struck out six. That drove his season ERA down to .88, which is phenomenal. He followed that up this week with five more innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs, three runs total, and walked a couple of dudes and struck out two. That bumped his ERA all the way up to 1.26. How dare he? There's probably some regression in store for him because his FIP is sitting at 330, but his FIP is still sitting yeah, at 330. Yeah, that's still tremendous. <laughs> More than nine strikeouts per nine, has his walks under control. He looks great. He does look great. And he got rewarded with uh, in the prospect rankings, which we'll be talking about in just a moment. Um, and then let's, let's go over our uh, last two players, because this will be the last time we mention them in our top ten uh, after the prospect update. So Sam Henkis, what's he been up to? He went six innings two weeks ago in his lone start. Six earned runs, two walks. <laughs> Four strikeouts. Ouch. Um, then his last start, he ended up only going three and two thirds, three hits, four runs, courtesy of five walks and two home runs. Just the note that I have here is just general sadness about Sam Henkes. Next Feels week's like update. We had something there, and yeah, I don't know where it went this year. Well, since we won't be talking about him next week unless he makes the the top five for the week, he did have a good start today. So that's like good. six innings or something, one walk, one run. So he'd, he'd have to have one more good start and then potentially he could add, be in our five best from ever. Yeah, and he should have shot if he started tonight, because that would put his next start on probably Tuesday, right? Unless I can't count anymore. Uh, Luis Oviedo is the other guy who is sadly leaving the top 10, if only because he's been so much fun to talk about <laughs> uh, what happened in his last start before he ended up going on the disabled list or Damn it, it's the injured list. I'm never going to fix that. <laughs> yeah, he went one start, three and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts, three wild pitches. <laughs> so it was a very entertaining uh, three and two-thirds innings. And then afterwards, he was placed on the injured list, and I wouldn't be shocked if he stays there the rest of the season as they try to just yeah. figure out what's wrong with him because – on the season, he's up to a 5.4 ERA. Strikeouts per nine are way down to 7.1 on the season per that's nine. That's a bad sign. And walks are up to four per nine. So that's just not going to cut it for a top 10 prospect. So what happened was MLB Pipeline did their midseason update right before the trade deadline. And they knocked out Hedkiss and Oviedo from the top 10. Uh, and at the time, they added... Daniel Espino, the Indians' number one draft pick this year, and they added Yu Chang. They just kind of bumped him up to number 10. But then the Indians made some trades, and we're going to be talking about those momentarily. Now they have a new number three overall prospect in Logan Allen, uh, best friend of John Cena. <laughs> um, he, Such a great story. <laughs> it is a great story. And if you haven't uh, heard about it, check out my article about who is Logan Allen on Let's Go Tribe. I will be talking about him a little bit more 
uh, later in the podcast. So Logan Allen slots in at the number three Indians prospect, and Daniel Espino is the new number nine. So the new Indians top 10, according to MLB Pipeline, is Nolan Jones, number one, Tristan McKenzie, number two, Logan Allen, number three. They are all in the top 100 on MLB Pipeline. And then Tyler Freeman is at like number 101 at the moment, pretty much, uh, because Logan Allen dropped to number 98 overall after all the updates. And he was a few spots ahead of Tyler Freeman. Um, And then... Uh, after Freeman, we've got Bo Naylor at number five, George Valera at six, Bobby Bradley at seven, Ethan Hankins at eight, Daniel Espino at nine, and Brian Rocchio now is number 10. Still, uh, that is a pretty impressive top 10, I would say. So that will be who we will be following the rest of the season uh, as our top 10 Indians prospects. And I'm excited to be talking about Daniel Espino moving forward because he's off to a very good start has pitched uh, seven innings and currently has a one given up one run in seven innings with nine strikeouts and a 0.86 whip. They really, really like him on MLB Pipeline. So good to know. So let's talk about who the top five from everywhere were. And these are basically the five guys that I had prepared for last week in case we were going to record a podcast. So these all these guys had really really good weeks last week yeah let's let's talk about him so who did i have at number one there uh, christopher cespedes he's on the azl indians i'm assuming i'm assuming the blue team because that team is so much better than the red (laughs) yeah uh but what was his slash 524 yes that is the first number not the last one 524 545 847 (laughs) you know a slash line is good when you can't finish it without laughing yeah uh, he had a home run, four doubles, a walk, 260 weighted runs created plus Damn. 260. <laughs> That's how you say hello. I yeah. Think. Next up, we had Aaron Braco. He had himself a pretty phenomenal week as well. I wonder if it's Braco or Braco. I've always just said Braco, but I mean, that's just how I'm sounding it out in my head. So You could ask him like we asked yeah. Aaron Sival. Although I don't know if he speaks English yet. He was a... Uh... The top international signing the year we got Valera and Rocchio, and he missed all of last season with injury. Uh, like Unlike Valera, who at least got to play a few games before he got hurt, uh, Rocco never even made his debut. But, oh boy, has he been good. Uh, in six games, during a six-game stretch last week, he slashed 440, 464, 720, with a home run, two doubles, two walks, four strikeouts had a 198 WRC plus. So, and this was his second week in a row making the five best from everywhere. And it clearly looks like he is catching up to his compatriots, uh, Valera and Rocchio, and might be due for a promotion to Mahoning Valley. And he's still young as well, but I mean, he's right now, he's a year behind his classmates, at least the, the elite classmates from that class. So... I would like to see him join them because he's clearly uh, better than just about everybody else in the Arizona Rookie League right now. And who do we have next? Juan Hillman continued his little miniature resurgence here. He had a game started with seven innings pitched, allowing five hits, no earned runs, although one did come across courtesy of an error, struck out 10 and only allowed one walk. So that's fun. That is tremendous. And it's great to see because he started the season so well 
and I, we were just like, oh, wow, Juan Hillman's making a, a resurgence. He's, you know, a former Indian second round pick the year they drafted Tristan McKenzie. And then he repeated a season at Lake County and didn't really pitch any better last year. But they were just like, well, we're not going to let him repeat twice. And they just promoted him to Lynchburg. And he did so well, he made it to uh, uh, the All-Star game for the Carolina League. And then he, you know, started to struggle again and got his ERA for the season. It, it jumped up from like two and a half to over four. And then uh, it seems like he's, you know, back to, to being good again. So he is, he's been a bit inconsistent this season. But uh, in his last two starts, he struck out 17 batters over like 13 innings or so. So that is that is great to see. So I and especially because he wasn't really known as a strikeout guy, but for him to have a 10 strikeout outing, I think it was, that's the first time he's done that in his career as well. Potential late bloomer, Juan Hillman. And so that brings us along to Carlos Vargas, who had a couple of good starts, but maybe one that wasn't quite what we would have wanted. So last week he was a shoe in. He had a, a game, one game with six shutout innings and six strikeouts and a walk. Uh, and then he followed that up this past Wednesday by going six more innings, six strikeouts, two walks, three hits, one earned run. So it would have been 12 you know, beautiful innings, uh, sub one ERA. Uh, but then he also had one more start this past week that wasn't quite as good, uh, did not get out of the fifth inning. Uh, we'll take it because uh, he is a guy that throws the ball 100 miles an hour He's not 20 years old yet, and he's shown flashes of brilliance, but also at times he's been very hittable. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what you would expect with a young arm that has so much potential that maybe he hasn't quite found that consistency yet. But the, the flashes of brilliance are definitely there. Like on the season, if you look um, at like from the first start to, to, to his most recent one, uh, I mean, he's had... He had a stretch there with three straight starts of six innings and looking good. And then he's also had a few horrific starts. Like he had one where he went two innings and gave up nine earned runs, <laughs> which has really skewed his overall season. Number. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on moving forward just because of the tools. But he hasn't quite put them all together yet. But the, the flashes are there, definitely. So... I'm definitely going to be excited about him moving forward. You mentioned he can touch 100. It just, it still feels weird that 20 years ago, if we said the Indians had a kid who was 19 and could throw 100 miles an hour, like all of baseball would be like, what? At least two guys that could throw 100 now with uh, Espino. So, (laughs) yeah. Espino 17, I think. Now you hear a guy throwing 100 and it's like, yep. Cool. Everybody's got three guys that can. <laughs> and, and, you know, perhaps that 100 miles an hour is coming in straight as an arrow, too. I mean, I, I haven't really seen a lot of. True. You know, I know that, like, Ethan Hankins and Espino have movement on theirs. I, I don't really know how much movement Vargas has. I haven't seen him. He's still definitely a guy to for everybody to keep in their eye on moving forward because the talent is absolutely there. It's just about harnessing it at the, and turning into a pitcher. Because, you know, Justin Verlander could throw 100 miles an hour easily when he made his MLB debut. And I was at that game and the Indians torched him. <laughs> so, yes, I was at Justin Verlander's MLB debut. It was, it was awesome. It's a doubleheader against the Tigers. But, um, yeah, I remember Coco Crisp hit an inside-the-park home runoff of Verlander. And everybody was cheering a little bit. 
And then Travis Hafner hit one almost to the upper deck of Pronkville right next at bat, next pitch and stole all of Coco nice. Crisp's thunder and got curtain called. <laughs> I was like, poor Coco, man. He just ran so hard. And, but yeah, you know, Verlander, everybody was just like, whoa. Every time he'd throw a pitch and it'd go triple digits on the radar screen and stuff. So, you know, that, that's, that's what we have here. You know, Vargas has the potential to be really good. He just needs to find that consistency. Pick up a little control. And that finally brings us to Wilbis Santiago, who had another laugh-worthy slash line in a very good way. Murdered baseballs. He wasn't exactly hitting a lot of extra base hits, but over a period of four games, he slashed 538, 571, 615 with a double and a hit by pitch. Uh, I think his hitting streak is still going. Last I checked, it's at like 18 games. Uh, usually, uh, Indians' perspective on Twitter keeps track of the Indians' hitting streaks. And as far as I know, at least up to yesterday, it was still going. And it was at 17 or 18. Games. It's hard. Yep, he extended it to 19. <laughs> He got three hits today. <laughs> he has been on fire. So, uh, and, and he's not a guy that, you know, I thought of as like a monster prospect, but he's always hit at every level, uh, whether it was in the DSL or the AZL. And this year, they've just kind of used him to fill gaps. And he's doing it, I think, right now at high A Lynchburg. So where he's at least average to potentially younger than the league average. So, this has been great to see uh, him put together uh, some pretty good uh, at-bats at the upper levels of the Indians minor league system. So, you know, he's 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 raising that prospect status, kind of like Daniel Schneeman did. Uh, I was joking about before, but, you know, he almost made the, the top five for the week three weeks in a row. And that brings us to the transactions here from the last couple of weeks, if you would like to walk us through them, Brian. Uh, starting... With the old transactions uh, in terms of injuries and trades and releases, uh, the only real significant one there was Luis Oviedo being placed on the injured list, which did not come as a shock. He's had a, a rough year. Um, but then in terms of promotions, there was quite a bit of movement uh, two weeks ago. We had James Karinchak back. He was activated on AAA uh, Columbus's roster, deciding to... Uh, strike out three guys per inning at the AAA level instead of making AZL hitters hate themselves. <laughs> uh, Aaron Savalli <laughs> was activated as well with the the Columbus uh, Clippers AAA. Uh, Anthony Ghost, left-handed pitcher, was activated from the injured list at AA. Lynchburg, we had Cody Morris activated from the injured list. Juan Moda promoted from uh, Lake County to uh, Lynchburg at single A. Quentin Holmes, former Indians top draft pick in 2016, was activated from the injured list. And left-handed pitcher Matt Turner was promoted from Mahoning Valley to Lake County. And then our boy, Yaner Diaz, was promoted finally from... Uh, the Arizona Rookie League to Low A Mahoning Valley. Pair of other players from the AZL Blue Team, Eric Mock and Serafino Brito, both pitchers, right-handed pitchers, joined him on Mahoning Valley's roster. And then in the AZL, catcher Richard Paz uh, was promoted from the DSL Indians to the AZL Indians. So big, big culture adjustment for Richard Paz. So 
a lot of interesting stuff that happened in that week. But what people really want to talk about were the transactions from. There were quite a few. The Indians made a pair of trades before the deadline, uh, none bigger than sending Trevor Bauer, uh, one of our top pitchers and one of the best pitchers in the American League, uh, to the Cincinnati Reds in a three-team deal where the Reds sent their number one overall prospect uh, to the San Diego Padres. And the Padres sent the Indians uh, Franmil Reyes, outfielder slash designated hitter of the future, with 27 home runs on the season. Um, they also sent Logan Allen, their number seven prospect. But the San Diego Padres system is so ridiculous that Logan Allen was still in the top 100 yeah. uh, in all of MLB and instantly became the Indians number three. But basically, he's kind of at a tie with Tyler Freeman. Uh, at least around that 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 mark, which is oh baby, that's yeah. great for especially a left-handed starting pitcher. And then uh, they also sent over a Dominican uh, international signing who is in the AZL, a Victor Nova, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And then the Reds, besides sending their top prospect to San Diego, they sent Yasiel Puig to the Indians. Not a prospect, obviously, but he'll be helping the Indians at that major league level. And they also sent Scott, uh, what is his name? Scott Moss. Yeah, sorry. They sent Scott Moss to the Indians, and he is currently at double A and putting up a pretty good season. Another left-handed starting pitcher, just like Cody, Al- uh, <laughs> just like Logan Allen. Um, there's a lot of Allens now. Uh, the Indians also made another smaller trade with Tampa Bay, where they received Hunter Wood, a bullpen arm from Tampa Bay. They also got Christian Arroyo. This guy was, he lost his rookie status last year, but in 2018, he was in the top 100 prospects in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. But Tampa Bay was having a roster crunch with their 40-man roster, and they were looking to make some moves at the trade deadline. So... They needed to clear up some space. The Indians took advantage of that and bought low on Christian Arroyo, who is currently on the 60-day injured list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that is immediately going to be contending for the starting second baseman job next year uh, with Jason Kipnis leaving. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it'll be a nice little competition between guys like Yu Chang and Mark Mathias and now Christian Arroyo and Ernie Clement. And then obviously whatever else they decide to bring in. Uh, at least for now, that is going to be a fun race to watch moving forward. But Christian Arroyo should definitely make that more interesting because uh, he's a guy that had a lot of potential but hasn't quite performed the way people were hoping so far. But, uh, I mean, he really hasn't had a ton of opportunity. Absolutely. And then... It could still be great. That does bring us to the important question, though. Yes. Who did we have to give up to get him? It is sad. Uh, the Indians had to trade Ruben Cardenas. He was, I believe, a 21st or 23rd round pick in last year's draft. And he was having a great season at single A Lake County this year. Um, I thought he deserved to be promoted to Lynchburg when around the time that Will Benson and Tyler Freeman both got promoted. It didn't happen. He just stuck around at Lake County and continued raking. Uh, and then he got traded to the team they were playing that week. <laughs> that series, even, I think. <laughs> uh, he just had to switch locker rooms, uh, unfortunately. 
basically what the Indians did was they acquired some more, like it was kind of like the Oscar Mercado deal where we traded away a guy that is further away from making it to the big leagues. And Cardenas definitely has the tools to potentially make it. Um, but I mean, he was not a top 30 Indians prospect at the time. And then they acquired a guy that can in wood that can help the bullpen now and Arroyo who can contend for the starting second baseman job next year. Just like when they traded away John Torres and Connor Capel to get Oscar Mercado, who could contend for an outfield job the next year. And that has played out beyond everyone's expectation. Obviously, there's no guarantee. Except maybe yours. I mean, I, when it happened, I remember you were pretty... I liked Mercado. I didn't think he'd be this good. Even even in my wildest dreams, I did not expect him to make the swing adjustments he did in this past season, uh, all that work that he put in, and really paid off. So, yeah, Mercado has been a godsend. Yeah, I, I thought he'd be good, and I was, you know, really rooting for him to make the team and everything out of spring training. And I was singing his praises, saying, call him up, call him up all season until they finally did. And he has been just a revelation. But even I didn't know he'd be this good. <laughs> so, but yeah, so the Indians lost Ruben Cardenas. Um, they also had to make a few other moves. Eric Stamets, who has been in the Indian system for a while, ever since... Uh, he was acquired, I believe, from the Angels in a trade that involved Daniel or some David Murphy. The David Murphy trade, where we were getting sending David Murphy to the Angels. We got Eric Stamets. Uh, Stamets started the year on the Indians roster um, when Francisco Lindor was hurt. It did not go well. I think he had, yeah. Uh, but the Indians DFA'd or designated Eric Stamets for assignment. Uh, to clear room on the 40-man roster with all these acquisitions because they traded Bauer, so they lost a 40-man spot, but then they put three new guys on the 40-man in Logan Allen and Puig and Reyes. So somebody had to move, and unfortunately, Stamets was pretty obviously one of the odd men out in that situation. Uh, and then also, Chi Weihu, who we mentioned was released like a couple weeks ago, uh, he, when he... He actually cleared everybody's waivers. Nobody wanted him because he's been so bad this year. So they signed him and uh, sent him down to double A. And he was so bad again that they just released him again to clear more space after adding these new players. So that was that was not a good trade. Indians not gave up so a couple good. lottery ticket guys at the AZL level to get Hugh who had like a five-pitch mix and had MLB experience. They were thinking this guy could be, you know, starting rotation depth for the season, and it just didn't work out. That's one of those trades where, I mean, obviously I would love to pick the brain of the Cleveland front office about anything. I would just love to hear the scouts and, and Antonetti and everyone talk about sort of what they envisioned when a trade that went down. And yeah, sometimes things don't work out. Hopefully the guys we traded don't end up becoming... Uh, Hopefully they don't earn bronze busts in Cooperstown someday. And then uh, the only other uh, major negative was Daniel Schneeman was hurt. So he was placed on the injured list, unfortunately, because he has been one of the hottest players in all of minor league baseball over the past month. So hopefully it's not serious. I want I want to see Schneeman back ready. at it again. I just want to see that name on a jersey. Almost be a full circle. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a very busy uh, week in terms of activations and promotions and trade acquisitions. Uh, obviously, at the MLB level, we added Puig and Franmil Reyes. Um, at the AAA level, Logan Allen was acquired via trade 
Uh, he was with the Padres. He is a left-handed pitching prospect, primary, primarily fastball changeup with a decent curve. His changeup is, is his best pitch, and that is great because Indians, I, as far as I know, haven't been known for developing changeups, but they've been great with developing, you know, breaking pitches. So if he already has a great changeup, then the Indians can really do some do something with him and potentially add, you know, Velo. They're great at that. Uh, you know, Shane Bieber added has added about four miles an hour to his fastball since the Indians drafted him pretty much. So this is, you know, same thing with Zach Playsex. So there's definitely the the possibility for him to take another step. And uh, Logan Allen is a very good player. And, I mean, he could be, uh, I mean, he'll be contending for a spot in the starting rotation next year for sure. And he could be looking to help them right now uh, because at the moment with Bauer gone, we have Bieber and Clevenger and Playsack and probably Danny Salazar, who's starting on Thursday, and Pletko. But, you know, if uh, Allen pitches well, I mean, he's going to be right in that mix. So especially because, we, you know, Kluber's not back yet. Carrasco's not back yet. Jeffrey Rodriguez isn't back yet. So, you know, we're going to have some people vying for that spot. How crazy is it that the fourth and fifth rotation spots have basically been a revolving door this season, and yet the Indians still have been able to find like a mix of six guys to hold down those spots? And then now we add Logan Allen, too. That'll do. And got his first major league hit that game. Um, Every other start has not been very good. <laughs> uh, he had like a six ERA in the majors and a five ERA at AAA this season. So, but at every other level of his career, I don't think he's had an ERA wor- worse than like three point three. And uh, and he's and he's still striking out batters at a high rate of about ten per nine inning and uh, walking you know fewer than three and a half per nine innings. So just got to get that location adjustment and uh, he's really been hurt by the long ball this year. Um, He's never given up more than half of a home run per nine innings heading into this season. And then in his first full season with the new baseballs at AAA and major leagues, he was giving up over one home run per nine innings at AAA and almost one and a half per nine innings Tomlin-esque at the major league level. doesn't, scream Tomlin-esque at all. Exactly. But the baseballs are basically like, you know in Smash Brothers, how when you go into sudden death, everybody starts with like 999 damage or whatever? Mm-hmm. That's the baseballs in AAA this season. Like you touch them and they go 400 feet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. And then uh, also at the AAA level, we had Hunter Wood added to the Columbus roster in that trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this guy has a lot of uh, good peripherals in terms of uh, a nasty curveball, really low exit velocity. Um, seems like uh, location's been good. Like everything looks good. Perhaps it screams regression, but uh, this is definitely a guy that could help the Indians in the bullpen for sure. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do moving forward. And then in Double A, this is really interesting. Kyle Dowdy, remember him? Uh, he was the all, only thing we have left now from the <clears throat> from the Willie Castro trade last season where we got Leonis Martin for about a week. Um, and then this year, Martin started off good and then just was horrific and ended up getting DFA'd. Uh, 
But Kyle Dowdy got Rule 5 drafted by the Mets this past November, so he was the other piece in that trade. And he started the year on the Mets, then the Mets let him go, but then the Rangers picked him up, for, and then he was on the Rangers, and then he got hurt, and he finally got DFA'd by the Rangers, and the Indians are like, he's back, we want him. So he was a guy that was throwing upper 90s last year uh, when he was starting at Double A. So he was sent back to Double A. Uh, but yeah, he, he spent the first half of the season in the major league level. So good for him. Got some MLB experience. It hasn't been the most uh, successful season for him so far. But uh, he's finally back with the Indians and hopefully uh, whatever it was that they did, the magic they worked last year that saw him increase his velocity by like five miles an hour after being acquired from the Tigers. And just to clarify for any listeners that aren't familiar with the rule five drafts, a team picks a player who's been in the minors for how many years? Uh, if it was, if they were a college draftee, it's like three or four. And if they were a high school draftee or international prospect, uh, that were signed like younger, like 18 or lower, then it has to be like... And then if they're not on the 40-man roster, they're eligible for another team to pick them. Yeah. Because it basically up, is to keep teams from just hoarding prospects. Like You need to give them an opportunity to play at the major league level or somebody else will. That's kind of how it works, which is a good thing. The reason Dowdy came back again is because he did not spend the entire season on yes. major league roster. Yes, the way it works is if you select somebody in the Rule 5 draft, they have to stay on your roster for a full season. Such as Anthony Santander. Who has been so good, I added him to my fantasy baseball team this week. <laughs> he has been amazing for about a month now. Um, but yeah, the Orioles took Anthony Santander from the Indian system out straight from high A. He'd never even played double A yet. And then they hid him on their roster for a whole season, mostly on the injured list. Uh, and the Orioles were terrible, so they could just afford to keep him there. <laughs> right. And then they had him do an extended rehab assignment, which was basically sending him to the minor leagues. Uh, I mean, it was just a whole bunch of manipulation of the system. And they still hadn't given him enough time because he'd been on the injured list so long that he actually had to stay on the roster through like the first month of the next season. But they did that, too. Then immediately they sent him back to double A as soon as he qualified and was able to stay on. Now, I mean, he looks like he's getting an opportunity and sure would be nice to have uh, what the production he's been putting up with the Orioles on the Indians this year. I remember you were pissed. when they I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I still am. I'm still miffed about it. But <laughs> at least he's getting an opportunity to play every day. And I don't know if he would have had that with the Indians. So, I mean, right. we've had our struggles trying to figure, find a consistent outfielder, but he could, it could have been him. It could have been him. I mean, a, a switch hitting, toolsy, power hitting corner outfielder. Like, looks like he's even getting a chance to play center for them. He's, 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 he's raking. That's the rule five draft for you. But the other move at double A was Scott Moss, the other player acquired, the left-handed pitcher acquired from the Reds. Moss is a 24-year-old at AA, has about a 344 ERA this season, uh, increased strikeout rate, uh, but also increased walk rate this year. So it's like he's Sam Henkis, but for some reason not giving up runs. <laughs> um, and he was the number 12 Reds prospect at the time of the trade, according to MLB Pipeline, and he was slotted in at the number 17 Indians prospect uh, with MLB Pipeline. So that just kind of shows you what uh, 
what they think about the Indian system versus the red system. Um, but uh, Moss should definitely immediately slot in and join the rubber ducks rotation. And I think that uh, I'm excited to see what he brings because I would think that after Logan Allen, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a battle between guys like Henkes and Moss and maybe Adam Scott uh, draft pick from fourth round draft pick from last season as the next best left-handed uh, pitching prospect in the system and maybe Juan Hillman. So seems like we're seeing a nice with these new additions, we're seeing a resurgence in Indians left-handed pitchers in their, in their system. So, and then some other moves, we had Mike Freeman jump all the way from the AZL Indians to single A or Ike Freeman, Ike Freeman, not Mike Freeman, the, the one that's at the current Indians level. Uh, and then another, Mike and Ike. yeah. And then Eric Mock, uh, a draft pick by the Indians this season, another player was promoted from the AZL to Mahoning Valley. Uh, Eric Mock, congratulations. And then there were multiple moves in the AZL, uh, none bigger than Gabriel Rodriguez, the top Indians international signing from 2018. He has been excellent this year at in the DSL, and he got promoted, made his debut tonight, and got his first hit tonight. He is the second youngest player to have played in the Arizona Rookie League this season. Shortstop, looks like he was playing third base tonight, so he'll just be slotting all over middle infield wherever there is a position for him to play. But very exciting to see him make it up to the AZL this season after uh, the way he was performing in the DSL. And then Victor Nova, the final piece of the trade with that five-player deal that we got back for Trevor Bauer. He's more of a lottery ticket, 19 years old. He was in on the AZL Padres team. Um, looks like primarily plays third base, but he's also played second base and outfield. And he, at the time of the trade, he was slashing around 330 with like a – 370 or something on base percentage and maybe a 430 or 440 slugging percentage. But if you look at his slash line from, he's actually been in a slump because, you know, just dating back to about three weeks ago, uh, Victor Nova was batting almost 500 in the A's, in the ACL. So uh, this is, def- and he's a guy that walks about as much as he strikes out. He walked more than he struck out last year in the DSL. And then this year he's at like 22 strikeouts and 15 walks. So Definitely a good uh, plate discipline and somebody just keep an eye on moving forward. Total lottery ticket. He wasn't in the pod, the Padres top 30 prospects or anything, but he is producing at the very low level. So just somebody to, to keep an eye on. And then uh, we had a couple guys get start rehab assignments that have been hurt for most of the year. Ulysses Cantu, who has, he was in the draft with Nolan Jones and Will Benson and them. I think he was a fifth round pick that year or yeah. Uh, but he he it was first baseman for Lake County this season, really has not played hardly at all, and uh, he started a rehab assignment in Arizona. And then Francisco Perez has not pitched at all this entire season, a left-handed pitcher out of the Dominican that throws in the mid-90s. He was involved in a, a no-hitter last year with uh, Lake County, and he was expected to be pitching at at least the, the Lynchburg level this season, or he may have been, he may have done it with Lynchburg last year. I can't remember for sure, just because it's been so long since I've seen the name, but he also has begun his rehab assignment in Arizona and hopefully will be back to starting pitching uh, by the end of this season. So those are all the transactions and all the new players the Indians got. 
And then also Christian Arroyo, who I mentioned uh, earlier, but he's on the 60-day injured list still. He was the other player we got for Ruben Cardenas. We also sent some international bonus money. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, if the Indians are looking at the players that they're targeting to sign and they go, you know what, maybe we don't have that guy we're going to give $2 million to, they can afford to send some international bonus money to a team that might use it and then they can get players. So I really like the moves that the Indians have made uh, at this trade deadline. Just bolstered the depth of the system. Did not lose any of our top prospects, which is crazy, and actually improved the system while also uh, making the team somehow better too. So I'm very excited to see. I mean, this is extending the window. That's really what it's all been about. And they definitely extended the window. I just don't, how did we get Framil Reyes? How? I don't understand, especially after looking at what Toronto it, got from Marcus it, Roman. I'm happy. It makes no sense. But you're right. It's, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, we got a guy that can be, we got a guy with basically five and a half years of control remaining in Framil Reyes that is already hitting 27 home runs this year. And then we got Puig for, as a rental, and we got a top 100 pitcher in all of base or top 100 prospect and then two more lottery ticket guys. Uh, so yeah, really, really interesting. So just a, just a crazy trade deadline. I did not get much sleep last night. I'll tell you that after the power trade, I believe closes out our transactions for the last couple of weeks. And that brings us to Indians in the cupboard. Nice. I'll go ahead and kick things off. Kyle Nelson had a little bit of time off with a finger blister. Bane of pitchers everywhere. For the season, he's at 35 and a third innings. An ERA of 2.29 still, but a fit right around there at 2.45. 13 and a half strikeouts per nine. Um, 2.29 walks per nine. And so his first appearance back after missing about a week, he threw two-thirds of an inning, but struck out both of the batters. Uh, faced three batters, struck out both four outs, and then had one walk, but didn't allow any hits or runs. So it was a nice little bump back for him. Did we decide if it's Yainer or Yainer? Or I'd say Yainer. Or... Yainer. Yainer Diaz. He hit 188, 235, 500. And he is now at Mahoning Valley. He made it to right? Mahoning Valley. He's out of purgatory. So it'll be exciting to see what he does now that he's out of the rookie leagues and is making his way up the system. A little bit of a slow start, but he did have a triple and a home run. And I think those were his two hits. So at least when he's making contact, he's blasting the ball still. Um, and I hope that he continues to be the virtuoso that he appeared to be down at the AZL. And then with me, my uh, two players, position player was Oscar Gonzalez. And he had a 333-333-417 slash uh, <laughs> with a pair of doubles. And of course, no walks. He um, did have I mean, two he, walks last He did week, have though. a couple walks before that. So, you know, that's just Oscar Gonzalez for you, though. I mean, if, if he was walking more, he'd be getting a little bit more love on the prospect rankings. But he was in the Indians' top 30 on MLB Pipeline after the new update, but then they added two new players to the top 30 with uh, Moss and Logan Allen, and they went, eh, later Oscar bumped him off the top 30. So, unfortunately, uh, Oscar will have to be fighting to, to get back up there. Uh, and then Eli Morgan... Didn't do much this past week. Went three innings pitched, uh, four hits, three runs, two of them earned, four walks, three strikeouts, and he is back at double-A after a spot start making his triple-A debut uh, a couple weeks ago. And that was when Savali got called up briefly, right? Or No, it was when Savali was hurt, actually. He was hurt for like a week. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. 
So they, he made a spot start, but it, it looks like he is not going to be uh, up at AAA now, especially after uh, the acquisition of Logan Allen. Just keep doing your thing, Eli. So we did get a couple of questions from listeners this week, but before we did that, uh, Indians perspective, and if you don't follow them on Twitter, you really need to. It's a great, great fan run account and a really good resource for everything happening at the minor league level. But they put together a list of the minor league hitters with the highest weighted runs created plus who also had at least 250 plate appearances. And this is of July 27th, but I, I just thought the name at the top of the list and we've talked about him a lot on the podcast, but I, I feel like this sets into better relief the kind of year he's having. Kai Tom, yep, number, 157, number, numero plus this season. So he was amazing. Ahead of Jones, ahead of Freeman, yeah. ahead of Benson. He was amazing really in double A, earned the promotion of triple A, and he hasn't slowed down. Like, I think I saw something. He's reached base in, like, 61 of his last 63. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous like that. And then we still have Daniel Johnson just going down the list in order. Uh, Nolan Jones so far is a 153 WRC plus. Tyler Freeman at 140. Will Benson at Lynchburg at 139. Mitch Reeves at Lynchburg at 136. That was another fun name that popped onto the list. Uh, Ruben Cardenas dearly departed at Lake County with a 134. And then Bobby Bradley and Daniel Johnson at 133 and 131 respectively. Pretty exciting to see three of our top WRC guys at Columbus. We've right. got bats, and they're close. That brings us to the questions for this past week. At Ghosts in the Shell asks, Tyler Freeman isn't playing for Lynchburg right now, and if he's gone by the time the podcast airs tonight, tomorrow, I'm going to riot. Will you guys join me? Yes. Good news. <laughs> I would have. I mean, if, if they traded <laughs> yeah. Freeman, who could potentially be the shortstop of the future, um... And if we're losing Lindor, if they don't extend him, I mean, we need somebody Shh. to fill. I know, I know. So I'm blasphemy. We can't right talk now. about but terrible realities. If if that which was not be named happens, um, we need a top shortstop prospect to fill that void. And Tyler Freeman looks like he could be that guy. And I mean, the fact that he's hitting like 350, 360 after being promoted to high A Lynchburg. I mean, he's not slowing down. I mean, the tools are there offensively. I mean, he is tremendous. He did not get traded, which is great. And he will still be an Indian for the whole rest of the season and hopefully for a long time to come. And yes, I would have absolutely joined. I, I would have rioted. Um, I mean, if, if they traded Tyler Freeman, they would have had to get something back. Very, very happy that he is still in the system because I was nervous looking at the, the rosters today. I think, uh, Freeman wasn't playing today. Valera wasn't playing today. Chang wasn't <laughs> playing today. I'm like, what's happening? Panic. <laughs> but none of them moved. So thankfully, uh, they, it was just I regular days off, I, I assume. Do that just to see if other teams will call about them and be like, whoa, is, is there something going on there? <laughs> I don't know. Just to sort of <laughs> sniff out whether or not they can get a crazy deal for somebody. Huh. Our final question from this week comes from at Goth Pizza Rat on Twitter. Who are the most redundant or expendable prospects in the system? And this one for me, hard to say specific players, but as we've talked about, it just feels like we have so many outfielders right now that are either performing at the major league level or ready to, and some of these guys got to move, yeah. right? And obviously we're past the trade deadline, but this offseason, I'd be shocked if we don't hear about some conversations around 
especially now that we added Puig and Fran Reyes, who will probably end up DHing. But but the, even that left field as well could could make things interesting because Fran Reyes is right now basically a better version of Bobby Bradley. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, he is just off the charts. I mean, basically, he touches the ball and exit velocity and everything is just insane. Like very elite like 99 percentile of MLB with when he hits the ball, crazy things happen. And his strikeout rate's mm-hmm. like way lower than Bradley's, like half of it. And his walk rate's not terrible. Uh, it, it stayed consistent. So, I mean, this is a guy that could, you know, be a slugger in the Indian system for years to come. He's like six foot five. So he's like, he's, 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 he's so and he's like 275. So he's bigger than Bobby Bradley, <laughs> bigger and stronger which is nuts, nuts. Uh, I mean, he instantly is the top guy in home runs on the Indians by like eight or nine. <laughs> hmm, Bradley so, is a trade ship. I mean, it's well, interesting to think about. You know, Carlos Santana is only signed through next season, I think. So you may want to hang on to Bradley because he can still be the first baseman of the future. You just may have to be patient with it. You don't want to pull a Jesus Aguilar. Um uh, because it's really right at the moment. Yeah. Ray, at the moment, it's not like we have other first basemen in the system just knocking on the door, forcing the Indians to do something with Bobby Bradley so that they can That's play in point. Columbus. Because yeah. right now at Double A, we have a guy that I mean he's good, but he also uh, was a guy we picked up in the Rule Five minor league draft. That's playing first base at Double A, and at Single A is Mitch Reeves. Uh, who started the year at Lake County. So, I mean, and we don't really have you know, Nelly Rodriguez, you know, is and Cantu's at going to be at Lake County at the end of the season, and he's not exactly forcing people to make moves. And then you got like kids like Michael Cooper at Mahoning Valley. Uh, and he's good, but, I mean, he was a 33-round draft pick. So, but it's a good problem to have. And I believe that brings us to a close for this edition of Indians on Deck. I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us. A little bit of a longer podcast this time, but we had a couple of weeks to cover and the craziest trade deadline in a while, I think, for the Indians, at least since the Andrew Miller trade. Exciting times for Cleveland Indians baseball. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm Matt. Brian is Brian. We like you. 